Rebecca, if we had a theme song, what would it sound like? It's Rebecca and Amy talking about America. No? My name does not sound as good. There's no Raimi. Raimi. Amy. Today on our new Mesh of Americans podcast, the mashup life of Donald Trump. That guy with the luscious hair who was just on SNL talking about making America great again has a pretty interesting mix of immigrants in his life. And Rebecca, he's running for president of these United States. Yay! That's such great news! I know. I knew you would feel that way. Yeah, I feel so, so good. I, well, I've, I, I can sense that. What might put a little damper on your enthusiasm is the knowledge that Donald Trump is is not so into immigrants. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, surprise. Shocker, shocker. I know. But you know what's so crazy about that in his anti-immigration stance is that Trump has been surrounded by immigrants his whole life. And he's been married three times, total romantic, but two of his wives were immigrants. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Right, right. Ivana is from the Czech Republic and Melania is from Slovenia, maybe? Is that right? I'm I believe so. He has an he has an Eastern Bloc kind of thing going on. <laughs> but not just that. His mom came to the US on a boat. She immigrated to New York from Scotland, and his paternal grandparents were also both immigrants to the US from Germany. Wait. So he and I are the same in that we both have grandparents with German accents. Uh that is also true. And if your grandparents had to Americanize their name, say from Trump to Trump, you'd have even more in common. Oh, my God. I can't even believe that. And he's got a million kids, right? Yeah, he's got five mashup kids from a bunch of different moms. He's just got this incredible, actually, secret mashup life behind the, I don't know, the Trumpy exterior. So I invited a friend of mine, uh, the Pulitzer Prize winning author Michael D'Antonio, to come and talk to us about Trump and his new book. And I think we'll get a really different picture of who the Donald really is. Oh, my God, that sounds so awesome. I can't wait to hear about the mashup life of Donald Trump. Let's do it. Hi, Michael. Hi, Amy. Great to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you here, too. Well, so my goal for today is that you are going to have more fun with me than you did with Megyn Kelly. Okay. Okay. I think that might be easy. Okay. (laughs) Um, So we're here to talk about your book, Never Enough, Donald Trump and the Pursuit of Success. Uh, This book is about a man who... I think you said in the book 96% of the country recognizes and knows, but basically nobody likes. Well, at least 65% say they really don't like him, which is, <laughs> you know, at this moment when we're speaking, he's got around 30% of the Republican vote, according to polls. But that represents his upper limit. You know, he'll, he'll always get 30% of almost any group because they recognize his name. They think, you know, he's a wild and crazy guy, and he's fun. Everybody has their own image of Donald Trump, right? So there's maybe the younger people who know him solely through Twitter. There are other people who may know him only through his TV show. Then there's the people that know him through his business dealings, like Donald of the 70s, then Donald of the 80s, then Donald of the 90s, and then this. Now, um, he's Donald the presidential candidate. So, and, and what's n- most known about his presidential 
kind of pursuit is this strong anti-immigration, um, extremely xenophobic position of like, America has fallen apart. Like, we got to make America great again, right? That's his slogan. Um, and in his announcement for his presidential candidacy, he said, the U.S. has become a dumping ground for everybody else's problems. Now, from what I gather from your book, the U.S. was also a dumping ground for his own family's problems. Well, that's a really good point. His, his paternal grandfather was an immigrant from Germany who came here because jobs were not readily available where he was in Germany at the time. He was a he had barber skills and mm-hmm. there were plenty of barbers where he lived and he landed in New York City and there were lots of barbers here too. <laughs> you know, so like many young people immigrating in the late 1880s, he kept pushing westward and eventually he wound up in the gold and silver mining rush in the Pacific Northwest. He settled around Seattle, then he went off to mining camps. And he was he was a rascal in his own right. You know, he's someone who essentially squatted on some land. It didn't belong to him, <laughs> built a property on it, began serving uh, hard stuff and food and actually women to the miners <laughs> and did quite well and then pressed on to the Yukon and did the same thing up there. Um, so you you see that this was a dream of a young man who came to America and found opportunity and didn't become a U.S. citizen until he returned to Seattle. And I found his citizenship papers. And at the time, his name was not Trump, but Drumpf. Drumpf. D-R-U-M-P-F. And you know, gradually, the letters of the name changed, and they became Trump. And there's an immigration um, ethnicity story behind that as well, I'm sure, that had to do with how German Americans suffered mm-hmm. uh, prior to and during during World War One. They were the single largest ethnic group in America. They remain so today. There are more Americans with German ancestry than of any other type. But it became um, a liability to identify as German. Huh. Mm-hmm. And, and there were lynchings of Germans during World War One. Newspapers that printed in German closed. People changed their names, stopped speaking German. So it's, it is really ironic to think of a fellow whose family background included being part of an out group mm-hmm. you know, and, and obviously some suffering. And yet now he has a really hard time recognizing the full humanity of other groups who may be Right. struggling and having a hard time. In fact, he's going to victimize them a little bit. Right. It's really disturbing. And Friedrich Drumpf would not have been served well by a wall. No. That blocked off the Yukon no. or the Pacific Northwest. No. And, you know, there were so many immigrants who came from Germany with him who did very, very well. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, his son, um, Fred Trump, you know, so that this now becomes Trump, and the name gets transformed from Friedrich to Fred. He enjoyed all of the benefits and opportunity that the United States offers, and married an immigrant woman from Scotland. Mm-hmm. So who, she has her own story, Donald's mother. Yes, she does. She came from a very, very poor place in the Isle of Lewis 
off of the northwest coast of Scotland called Tong, T-O-N-G. Her ancestors, actually it may have been grandparents, were almost certainly caught up in something called the clearances. Scots know this. They, They were mostly poor farmers called crofters who worked the land in a relationship with the landowner. But a very wealthy guy from out of town, this Mm -hmm. may sound familiar, (laughs) came into Lewis and bought up almost the entire island. And the crofters got forced off their land in the clearances and were put into these communities where they had no ability to farm. There were uh, people who visited who described the wretchedness of their lives in the starkest terms. Mm -hmm. And even today... You know, the croft in Scotland is revered. It's sort of like the old homestead. I mean, what I find, again, just so incredible about this is that his family, his histories, is this is incredible mashup American story. It is, and it's quite beautiful. Yeah. You know, it, but there's something that just uh, his story is somehow legitimate and everybody else's is not. Well, but he doesn't even own his own story. Hmm. So this is quite fascinating. He, through much of his life, identified himself as Swedish. And so he's not Swedish. There's not even a hint of being Swedish in his background. Donald did? Donald did. His father did at first. And, And you can kind of imagine what did his father experience that he felt he had to do that. You know, there were comments made, and I, I it was either Donald himself directly to me or that I read him say that it was a bad thing to be German in Brooklyn and Queens where there were a lot of Jews that he was selling apartments to. So he just said he was Swedish. Business decision. A business decision. But, you know, that is that assumes, first of all, that people don't understand that German doesn't mean Nazi. Right. And it assumes that Somehow, um, that's still a good idea to per- to make up a story about yourself and perpetrate it on the public. And I, you know, somehow Donald took this up. So right. it's published in the first profile of him in the New York Times. It says that he's of Swedish <laughs> extraction. You know, and and I had to get him to deal with this. And he kind of said, well, you know, Sweden's kind of close to Germany. There's probably some Swedish in there. (laughs) (laughs) Again, bravo for you if it's true. Own your Swedish identity. But it's all crazily mixed up and um, layered with, I think, fearfulness. How will I be perceived if I am my real self? Huh. It's hard to say because as even his ex-wives have admitted, they have no idea who he is or who right. his real self is. Right. Well, we do know that the real self is supremely aggressive, very assertive, um, sometimes bullying. I know you spoke to at least three of his kids. He has three grown kids and they each spoke to me. And I know, um, I believe it was one of them said, you know, my father's a, a super genius, I think is the quote in the book. Compared him to Winston Churchill, and yeah, and then right. a, another. Um, I think it was. I think this one was Donald Jr. I, I might be getting this wrong, but he said, you know, he that both he and his father believe in the racehorse theory 
of genetics that that they just inherited greatness that they are greater right. and better right that the, you know in Donnie Jr's case he looks at his mom who i think is a pretty bright and gracious person and she does have enough modesty to kind of stay out of public view when she doesn't want attention and there are times when she actually doesn't want attention mm-hmm. um but he considers her and considers his father and says, well, I've got, you know, a great sire and a great dam, as they say in horse breeding. <laughs> and and I, yes, we're all a product of nature and nurture. Um, but I don't think it's true that, as Donald told me, that he has a genetic gift for land. <laughs> this is, you know, what is a, a genetic gift for land? I have no idea what that means. Well, also when you're clouding what your genetics actually are. Right. I mean, he's right. saying he's Swedish, but he's actually Scottish and Well, and, and, and don't all of us trace our genes back to South Africa. Right. And, you know, the, the, what is that, the Cape of Horn? You know, we're really all from the same few roots. And that's a beautiful thing and it makes us worthy mm-hmm. each one of us of a place do you think my last question is that his family history is incredibly rich it's actually a beautiful story that he can't or doesn't acknowledge again this is a very this is a problem a challenge that a lot of people in our community have a lot we talk about like what is American or who is American? And in some ways, for some people, Barack Obama, the president, is like a quintessential American. And it, for other people, he's the exact polar opposite. And in some ways, I think you could consider Donald Trump the quintessential American. Well, he is by that definition, the latter definition that you gave. He is the anti-Obama. And there is a very strong anxiety, a very strong anger over the Obama presidency that exists in a small corner of our country. And those are the people who turn out and cheer when really harsh, unfair, almost bigoted things are said about the president. And those are the people who hope that the pendulum swings back the other way. I I don't think it will. I, you know, I covered pres- presidential politics years ago. I have a, some confidence in the American public. <laughs> and I, I do think that we're having a good time with this right now. The the ones who are going to regret it the most may be the, the leaders of the grand old party. You know, the Republican establishment is really perplexed by this. And they could get to their convention with Donald Trump holding all the cards. Michael D'Antonio is the author of Never Enough, Donald Trump and the Pursuit of Success. So that's it, our first episode. Thanks so much for listening. And on our next show, Margaret Show. Seriously. I'm going over to her house. You know, it's just another day in L.A., not a big deal. I'm so jealous I'm about to fall out of my chair. (laughs) The Mash of Americans are me, Rebecca Lehrer. And me, Amy Choi. Our show is part of the Infinite Guest Network of awesome podcasts. Like the Dinner Party Download and Secret Skin with Open Mike Eagle. And produced with Southern California Public Radio, KPCC. Our show is also supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. See you next time. Adios. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.